Shut up and sit down. Welcome to another episode of Business Bros. That's it, dude. We got it down. We got it. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I told you I got a teacher that every time he walks by the office or every time he sees me, he's like, Business Bros. And I always come back with Business Bros. So, hey, might be annoying for some, but I love it, right? Yep, well, it's like my laugh, right? Some people love it. Some people say it makes them want to punch babies. Hey, hey well, some, way. some baby's going to get extra attention then. What can I say? <laughs> right. For the record, we do not promote or condone the punching of babies. No, no, no. We love babies. Punch them with love only. Punch, punch them with, with love, love only. Right. Not physical punch. Yeah. All right. So today's <laughs> story or today's uh, topic, better said, is a uh, stock market or stocks and options, huh? Stocks and options. It's something that I'm pretty passionate about. I spend a lot of time. I have spent uh, the past few years learning all about it. One of my concentrations, my degree, is actually in finance. So uh, I got to learn a little bit of this stuff in college and then put it to practice afterwards and, you know, been just spending a lot of time learning. Yeah, that's probably my most favorite thing to do, by the way, is learn. Yeah. I- I'm a education junkie. There you go. Well, hopefully uh, we can join or some other people will join us and learn along with us here so here we go all right let's talk about the uh, broad markets here it's our step number one so when we talk about you know the market people are always you know well what's the market doing these days etc and so on what you're talking about is the new york stock exchange and the nasdaq composite those are the two big ones Right. This right. is where this is like a it's where you house all the different types of stocks, right? But there's two basic places where you go to shop. Right. There used to be another one called the uh, American Exchange, but um, the New York Stock Exchange actually bought that. So uh. at this point, there's pretty much only two. Nasdaq is more composed of our technology stocks. So your Apple and Google and Amazons and et cetera and so on. They're usually going to be found on the Nasdaq. Whereas your stores and, you know, other things, um, the majority of stocks are on the New York Stock Exchange if they're not technology related. Cool. So I'm going to try to simplify this because I know sometimes when people start thinking about stocks and different different topics of conversation, stocks is one of those things where you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I don't understand how it works. That sounds all great and dandy. But, you know, the most stock stuff I have is like maybe a 401k. Right. Right. So I'm going to try to try to bring this down to uh, to nonsense. So so that I I know, you know, I can so I can try to simplify this. So hashtag nonsense. Hashtag nonsense. So um, New York Stock Exchange and the Nasdaq, we're talking about like a mall. Right. We have the the south side of the mall. We have the north side of the mall. But it's still the one place that we're going to go to to buy stocks. Right. Correct. All right. So now what if I'm at the mall and I want to walk into an individual store? What do we call those guys? An individual store. Yeah. Is that going to be like the indexes, right? Yeah. Okay. We're, yeah. We're talking about the indexes. Okay. Uh, so the indexes are like your Dow Jones Industrial and your S&P 500 and your Russell 2000, right? So those are three of the main, uh, of, of the big ones. And like you said, if you're looking at it as like a store, let's take one of them is Target. The other one is Walmart. Right and for example, right for example, um, by the way, those are well. Never mind. I'll, I'll just 
Try and simplify it. So you have uh, <laughs> uh, Target, Walmart, and I don't know, JCPenney's the other one. Okay, cool. Cool. So these are the major, the cornerstones within this market, right? That's what the indexes are, basically. They're groups of stock products like that are in one location. Right. And what you might notice is that a product that you can buy at Walmart, okay, or in the Dow Jones, you can also buy at Target. The S&P 500. The S&P 500. Okay, But cool. sometimes, sometimes there's going to be things that are only going to be at Target and only going to be at Walmart. Right, right. But still, for the most part, when you're talking about, you know, uh, the entire market, we're talking about the mall, which has, you know, the north side and the south side, and then we have major department store type things, right? Correct. And inside these department stores, they probably have different sectors. Right. All right, so let's uh, let's. So these are your different aisles that you're going down, right? You have the toy aisle, you have the electronic section, you have, you know, in some some of these stores, you have the groceries, you have the clothes, right? Right, and it gets even broken down further from there, from within the sectors. Well, let's let's start with defining some of these sectors, right? So the the big sectors are something like technology, right? It's very very broad. And there's a lot of different things that could fall under technology. Right. It could be anything from like apps to physical, like batteries to physical uh, motherboards or conduits right. or whatever. All, that all in the technology realm. Correct. Okay. And then you have health is another sector. Uh, materials, real estate, telecom, utilities. Right. Okay. So these are all different. Like if we're going back to our analogy, these are different aisles in the store. These are the different sectors in the store correct right so we can go to the baby section or we can go to the technology section or we can go to the um gardening section these right. are all different sectors within within that major index right so if you're looking at your broad market again that's the mall right then you have your indexes and those are the big department stores within the mall right and then you have your sectors that are the different sections within that department, that store. department store. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. So now we break it down even further than that, which is industries. industries. So there are different industries within each sector. Okay. Just like there are different sections of the toy department, right? You have your girl toys and your boy toys. You have your infant toys. You have your infant toys. You have your big kid toys. You have your big kid toys. Exactly. Right. You have the bikes in a certain section. Right. 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 You have etc. and so on. Right. And this is where the industries kind of pop in, right? So these are things like materials. These are things like technology within that industry. So like maybe it's, you know, maybe you have uh, a video game in the electronic section, but then the little character plush toy is in the toy section. Right. Okay, cool. Correct. Cool. And if we're looking at it from a stock market perspective, you have the health sector, right? But within the health sector, you have the hospital industry, right? Which is part of the real estate. You have the materials like the gurneys and the beds and the gauze and the et cetera and so on. And then you have the technology industry within the health sector. That is, you know, all of the different things that doctors are doing, the bioengineering that's happening, the research and et cetera and so on. So different industries within the sectors just like different uh 
departments or, or you know different sections within subsections the toy within subsections the within the toy section okay cool cool and then of course we get down to the nitty-gritty which is the company now we're talking brand right right so you've gotten all the way into the toy section at the store and now right? you're looking at the legos and is it the lego brand or is it the build a block right and even yeah yeah exactly right? is it the lego brand or is it the build a block or am i going to go with a action figure instead right. or am i going to get a board game Right, right. These right. are the different types of companies within the that you know. Essentially, we're taking the entire you know how is the market doing question and saying, well, are we talking about the mall? Are we talking about the department stores? Are we talking about the sections in the mall? Are we talking about you know the sections within the you know the subsections of the mall? And now we're saying when you're actually getting ready to pick a stock, this is your final purchase. This is you taking that item and putting it in your cart. Right. Right. Cool. That makes the that makes the stock market a little bit easier to understand. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. It, it honestly it helped me understand it a little bit better. So uh, you know we're we're all learning together. Yeah, courtesy of nonsense. I try. Courtesy of nonsense. Hashtag nonsense. Hashtag. All right, but ultimately, right? What do we what do we know about? You know, I think I know exactly how this stock market thing works now. That's a, the the damn greatest analogy ever. I know exactly what to do now, right? Yeah, just like you know exactly what to buy for your eight-year-old nephew, and the moment that you buy that Lego that you think he wants, he looks at it and he goes, I already have this one. (laughs) (laughs) So in other words, nobody knows anything. Nobody knows anything. When it comes to the stock market, the moment you think you know something, the stock market's going to prove you wrong. (laughs) That's what it does. Okay, Um, But that doesn't mean that you can't be successful. A lot of people are very successful. A lot of people put a lot of time and effort into understanding the way that markets work. Everything from uh, these two types of analyses, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. There's fundamental analysis and there's technical analysis. So people spend a lot of time learning what they can about these two different types of analyses so that they can make more informed decisions and hopefully be successful. Right. right. Okay. But to some people, and I still get this all the time, it's gambling. And yeah, yeah. And mainly I think the reason why it gets the stigma of the gambling is because you really don't have control over what happens. You're Correct. you're essentially you're looking at patterns, you're looking at trends, and you're making a move based on what you think is going to happen. Correct. Right. And so I'm going to go on a little tangent here. Okay. Um, well, not, I guess I'm not going to go too far. So stocks are paper assets. Right. Right. This is what stocks are. Um, we also have real assets and business assets. Real assets, of course, we're talking about real estate. So one of the reasons why we like real estate so much is in the stock market, even if a sector is doing well and an industry is doing well, right? The company within that industry doesn't necessarily it doesn't necessarily mean that that company is going to be doing well. That board of directors could have been doing something different. Like movies were doing well, right? Mm-hmm. Movie the movie industry was doing well while Blockbuster was on its way out. Right. Right? And you know, just because the movie industry was doing well, just because Pixar was doing well within the movie industry, it doesn't mean it doesn't guarantee that blockbuster video rental was doing anything it was supposed to be doing to continue the trend of where things were going. Right. So compare that to real estate. In the real estate market, if 
a neighborhood is doing well, if a state is doing well, and a city is doing well, and a neighborhood is doing well, chances are that the property that you own is going to also be doing well. Right. Now, if you're neglectful of it, then... Of course, it'll affect. It's going to affect it. But in a general sense, if you own that asset in that appreciating area, your asset is going to appreciate right along with the rest of them. So... Just a little tangent about the differences between how you invest in stocks versus how you invest in real estate. Right. And and just to, just also to be aware, because the next topic that we're talking about is, is dividends and capital gains, right? Mm-hmm. This is where you make a profit, right? right. On on the purchase or sale or holding of your of your paper assets. And I want people to understand that what a stock actually is. You're you're buying a ownership interest in a company. Correct. Mind you, it's a very tiny ownership interest, but you're essentially buying an ownership interest. And when you own a business, you expect to earn money on the profits. And right. that's where usually dividends come in. And not every stock is going to pay you a dividend, but a dividend is your share of the company's profits. Correct. All right, cool. So what about a capital gain? So if I'm getting paid on the on the, on the the profits, that means that's a, that, that particular stock is paying a dividend. Some don't. Right. But the capital gains is not necessarily tied to the uh, dividend, right. right? If I buy a stock at $100 and within the year it goes up to $120 and I turn around and sell it, that $20 difference is capital gains. It's a capital gain. You put capital in to buy the stock mm-hmm. because you're buying ownership interest in a company. You're placing capital into the company. When you take the capital out, did you take out more than you put in? If you did... That is a gain, so you have a capital gain. The money right. that you put in increased. The capital that you put in increased. That's a capital gain. Right. If you, when you take the money out, did you bring out less than you put in? That is would that be a, a capital, capital loss. Loss. Okay. Okay. Cool. Makes sense, right? And that, and all of that will tie into your uh, taxable income. Correct. Right. And it will help to determine which tax bracket you wind up in. Very true, very true. And there's a difference between holding... I mean, we're not going to get into this topic here, but there's a difference between holding a, a asset for over a year, you know, a year and a day, versus holding it less than a year and a day. 364 days. Right. And so, and if that's the case, you get taxed... Your treatment of the tax gets treated differently, but... Uh, another topic for another conversation. Just understand that it is income and we pay income taxes. All right. So... Uh, as Nan was saying, a stock is a tiny ownership interest in a particular company. So you can have stocks in ginormous companies. I want to say the biggest company in the world right now. Apple. Apple, right? Or you could have a share of stock in some teeny tiny company that nobody's ever heard of, right? And their shares are selling for less than a dollar. Right. Anything that's selling that shares are selling for less than a dollar is considered penny stocks. Right. It might be a dollar. It might even be five dollars. I'm not totally sure. But every share is very manageable. Where whereas you might not have enough money to buy, you know, Amazon stock, which is Warren Buffett eighteen hundred dollars a share, right? Or two hundred fifty thousand dollars a share, right? Over here, you take you know a thousand dollars and you can buy a number of shares. Yeah, like twenty thousand shares. Right. So there's a huge difference. Huge, huge. So the thing with penny stocks, there are a lot of people that are very successful with it. I personally don't feel comfortable with it. 
Uh, it's not a investment strategy that I use, but there are people out there who are very successful with it. And one of the things that you want to be aware of is that the people that are successful uh, are keeping a very, very close eye on what those penny stocks are doing pretty much all throughout the day. And they're watching for especially this particular strategy called pump and dump where they build up the value of that stock so that it goes from a penny or a nickel or whatever all the way up to maybe 50 cents or 90 cents or whatever it is. So they make a ton of money and then they sell when it's at the top. I mean, they really, they try to time it. And as soon as they start to sell, everything goes right back down to where it was and the people who got caught buying it at the top lose a ton of money. It never makes its way back up there again. Again, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it feels a little unethical at times when essentially the only real reason why a company goes public is to infuse capital, right? right. They're looking for money. So um, the thing that really blows my mind is when companies have no profits and they go public and their IPO still soars, yeah. you know, like Facebook was or like Snapchat was. Snapchat, yeah. I mean, those those companies made a ton of money on their IPOs, but they had didn't. no actual profit margin. No profit. Right. I, I don't understand that either. I mean, the, the value is in the data that they're collecting. I understand that there's value in the data being collected. I understand that. But mm-hmm. how do you value it? That's just a market craze, right? It You know, a lot of people might say that it is. And it's one of those things like, you know, when you aren't making money and you're still able to sell your stock for anything? a really high price. <laughs> anything. Right? Anything. Uh, some people might think that that is a sign of an overbought or, you know, a peaking market. Yeah. Overall market. Overall market. Right. So people have money to throw at things. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. There's a lot of faith in the uh, stock market right now, you know, especially since 2016. It's gone nothing but up. Yeah. You know, it's been pretty wild. So um, what if I did want to, like, you know, we talked about buying penny stocks, but what if I wanted to buy like a Berkshire Hathaway share or like, you know, an Amazon share or something? And, you know, I didn't quite have the $250,000 to buy that particular share. What, what could I yeah. do? Berkshire Hathaway, man, insane. $250,000 a share. A share. I don't have that kind of money. We don't have that kind of money. But what we could always do is invest in what's called mutual funds or ETFs, right? ETFs. Uh, that stands for exchange traded fund. So basically what you're looking at is a lot of different people pooling their money together. P-O-O-L, pooling, <laughs> right? Um, to purchase these shares of stock in a community basis almost, right? Right. So you don't have 250000 I don't have 250000 But if we get 250,000 people all together to... Throw in a dollar? Yeah, yeah. We can buy a share. We can buy a share. Right? And these people, uh, I'm sorry, these companies that make up these mutual funds and ETFs, they get a lot of people pulling their uh, funds together to purchase all of these different stocks. Right. Right? So you can have a mutual fund that is designed by a particular company, right? Um, A lot of life insurance companies uh, use mutual funds, right? Or we have uh, ETFs, which are exchange-traded funds, which are similar to mutual funds, except that they are based specifically on the um, indexes. So there would be an ETF on the Dow Jones. There's an ETF on 
the S&P 500. There's an uh, ETF on the Russell 2000. Russell 2000, by the way, is small cap stocks. Um, but anyway... So in other words, in other words, what we're trying to do is we can't buy Target the the entire Target store at the mall. We can't buy the entire Walmart store at the mall here. So we're saying, you know, if we get together all these patrons, we can each put in a little bit and and together we can buy a piece of that of that mall. Correct. All right, cool, cool. Cool. Correct. Okay. So uh, that's what ETFs and mutual funds are. And then you have another thing which is called futures. Right, futures are how you buy and sell commodities on the market. Okay, commodities. What we're talking about is stuff like corn and wheat and pork bellies and oil. Right, you always you always hear, oh, what's what's oil trading at or what's oil doing? Oh, why are my gas prices so high? It's because oil's gone up or oil's gone down. So the futures market is where you're purchasing these commodities. commodities. Okay. Um, all in all, so these are different products that you can purchase uh, or invest in okay and you can make a profit from them by buying and selling okay one of the main principles that we need to remember when it comes to the stock market okay and pretty much anything where you're where you're transacting right whether it's real estate or stocks or whatever um, for every buyer there is a seller absolutely and for every seller there's a buyer. There, well, there should be a buyer. Right. Right. So let's say, for example, uh, Apple, right? If I want to buy shares of Apple, if I want to own a piece of Apple, I go on to, you know, whatever platform that I'm using to purchase stocks, okay? Or I go to my broker, like they used to do back in the day. Right. Uh, and I say, okay, hey, I want to buy 100 shares of Apple. And they're like, cool, no problem. We'll put in the order. Well, when I buy those shares of Apple, somebody's selling them to me. Right. There's Somebody's somebody getting on the other... out of that ownership interest. Exactly. And you want to get into it. Exactly. So ideally, the person getting out has made some money. They bought it lower and now they're selling and they're getting out. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if I bought it high and I lost money, I'm selling. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. Right. You want to take your losses, lick your wounds and keep going. Exactly. So for every buyer, there's a seller. For every seller, there is a buyer. Okay, and that leads us into what we call options. Okay, options are call are uh, fall under what's called derivatives, right? They have a value that is based on the value of the stock. Okay, say that again. They have a value, and their value is based on or a derivative of the price of the stock. Okay, so there's a stock. It has a price. These options are based on what it's going to be or what it can be or what it is. Correct. All right. All right. Let's keep going with this. Okay. So there are two kinds of options. One is called a put. The other one is called a call. All right. Okay. A put option, usually if you're purchasing a put option, you're expecting the stock price to go down. Okay, so I want it to go down. If I'm buying a put option, I want the price of that stock to go down. If I'm buying a share of stock, um, if the value of the share of stock is 100 and I want to put a put option, I'm going to make money when it loses value. Correct. All right, because a put is the opportunity to sell that uh, that stock at a higher price 
than what it's currently trading. Okay, so if I got that put option at 100 and the price goes down to 90, I get to sell it at 100 using my put option, but I get to buy it at 90. So I'm making the spread. I'm making that $10 difference. So that put option means that you're contracting with somebody. Somebody's agreeing to buy your option at $100. Correct. Right? Later. Later. Not right now. Not right now. But they're agreeing to buy it at $100. So when the market goes down, you already have it sold for 100 but you're going to buy those shares that you're going to sell to that person's contract at the lower rate of 90 Correct. So you're going to make $10 per share for that option. Right. Okay, cool. If the price cool. goes down. If the price goes up, I'm never going to exercise my option because why would I... Well, that's why it's called an option, right? You have right. a choice. You can exercise the contract, but you don't have to exercise the contract. Correct. But okay. if, you, if you do put the option into play, there is a seller who's contracted to buy. Correct. Okay, cool, cool. All right. The other side of it is the call option. If I'm getting a call option, I want the price of the stock to go up, mm -hmm. right? So uh, if the stock is trading at 100 and I buy that call option at 100, next thing you know the price of it goes up to 110. I get to buy it at 100 because the call option- That's uh, the contract that you set. The contract is that somebody else will sell it to me at 100. So I get to buy it at 100, and then I get to turn around and sell it again- To the market. To the market at 110. So you're so making, again, that I'm making that spread. I'm making that spread. Awesome. So, so you have call options and put options, and basically you're tying up a price today in either option you're right. buying up you're, you're you're contracting a price that you're going to acquire the stock at today or correct. sell it today correct and then depending on which option you you pick you're basically gambling essentially which is what what people always say you're gambling on whether it's going to go up or whether it's going to go down correct so both calls and puts okay either of these option contracts are not free Okay. Of course not. There's nothing free. In There's this nothing free. So in order to purchase a call or a put contract, let's just say that this $100 uh, option, this $100 stock, each options contract is $1. Okay. Okay. So if it's trading at 100 and I get to turn around and sell it for 110 well, that contract cost me $1. So instead of making that $10 spread, I only make a $9, $9 spread. Yeah, yeah. For the option to do so. Correct. And if you never exercise the option, it costs you the $1 for the for the contract. Exactly to right. To secure it. Exactly right. So you're taking a risk on making a trade by locking it in at this contracted rate where there's a dollar per option. And if you do it and make money, it only costs you the dollar to make that money. Right. But if you don't do it, so you don't lose any money, it only costs you the dollar to have the option to do it. Correct. So if it's trading at $100 and the option costs me $1, it must trade above $101 for me to make any profit. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I think department stores do this all the time. So what if you went to Walmart and you saw a box of Lego toys? And you you went there and you said, look, I think I ha I think I saw this cheaper at Target, mm -hmm. right? And you know Target's gonna price match, right? So you ask Walmart to hold it. Now Walmart's not just gonna hold it because their objective is to sell this product. 
Right. But they'll hold it for you for a dollar. Correct. Right? You have 24 hours. We'll hold it for you. It's going to cost you $1 to hold this toy. You run over to Target. You find out Target has it for five bucks cheaper. Mm-hmm. You show them the that they're holding it for you, and they price match. Right. So you lost out on a dollar over there, but you saved $5 over here at Target. Right. Or you went back to Walmart, and they lowered it, so there was a $4 difference there. And they gave you the 4 bucks. And whatever. they gave you the 4 bucks. But that's essentially what we're doing in, with puts and calls. Right. All right. That's kind of cool, actually. Makes a little more sense for me. Thanks. Perfect. So the next thing that we we're going to talk about is volatility. And this is really... The difference between the stock going up or the stock going down or up and down and up and down and up and down, right? Right. What we what we refer to it as is the fear factor in the market. Well, yeah, because I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I mean, nobody ever does. Yeah. But right now, today, uh, everybody feels pretty safe in the market generally, right? And that's why the prices have been going up and up and up and up. So there's not a lot of volatility or fear factor built into the market right now okay so these options that we're talking about especially when the stock market is going down there's a a higher fear factor built in and so options become more expensive so instead of buying a put for a dollar the general consensus is that the market is going to go down so instead of buying a put for a dollar now you have to buy it for two dollars or three dollars because there's confidence. Because there's confidence that the market's going to tank. Right, right. Right? So that's what volatility is. It's it's a measure of the fear factor. How much do we expect the market to move over the lifetime of this contract? Option, of this yeah. contract. Oh, and that's the last thing is that options do expire. So if you purchase a stock, you can hold on to that stock for as long as that... Uh, as long as that's a company. Right, right. Right. Apple's not going anywhere, right? It's already been around for 30 years. Okay. It's probably not going on anywhere for the next 100 years. So if I bought a share of Apple today, I could hold on to that share for the next 100 years. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Um, options, however, have an expiration date. You have the option to exercise, right? Whether it's a call or a put, but that option expires after however many days you purchase it for. Right. All right. So we've learned about the different markets so far. We've learned about the all the way breaking it down from uh, the mall down to the individual department and brand. We've talked about different types of investments where how you can buy a big stock uh, with a bunch of small individual group investors. We've even, even talked about making money on an up market versus making money on a down market, how to make money when stocks are losing money versus how to make money when stocks are gaining money. We've talked about why, you know, the how to measure that volatility, how to measure the fear in the in the market. So, I mean, all those things are technical, you know, aspects of it as far as um vocabulary right we need to be able to speak stocks right right so now we got a good idea of what these things are how do we even study these like how do how, what do we what do we look at to make to make a decision on what we're going to buy so there are two things that people primarily look at or there are two uh schools of thought i guess uh the first is technical analysis and the other is fundamental analysis okay okay technical analysis is a study of the charts this is statistics it's statistics, yes. It's okay. very, very involved with statistics, bell curves, um, 
expected moves, standard deviations. Yeah, all that stuff that you teach in your algebra class that puts students to to sleep. Right. But we're looking for trends. We're looking for trends and we're looking for patterns. Right. In the data. Right. Within the data. Within the historical data, right? So all we can look at is what's happened in the past and try to make the best analysis of what's going to happen in the future right and that's why it calls that's why it's a technical part it's actually the analytical part where where we're looking at the actual numbers what's happened in the past what how was this stock being uh treated the same time last year right over the last five years in the same quarter so you can kind of get an idea if you see the constant trend you have a better idea of what's gonna happen we don't absolutely know but it gives us a good understanding definitely And for those who are interested in learning technical analysis, I have a book recommendation. The author is John Murphy. It's called Technical Analysis of the Financial Markets. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does break down all of the different things that you would be looking at for for technical analysis. So uh, candlesticks and volume. When we say candlesticks, we're talking about those... Uh, what did you call it? I called them a box and whiskers. Box and whiskers. Yeah. So it's two boxes and each at the end of each box, you have an extended whisker, a line. Right. And you're, you're basically looking at the four quarters of uh, what's happening in that data sample. So like 25% of the data is represented by the whisker. Another 25% of the data is represented by that first box. The other 25% in the third box. And the last 25% of the data is the last whisker. Okay. So um, that's what it basically breaks it down to when you're looking at the data sample. So you can say yeah. 50% of the purchase price happened within this range. And you're looking at the what's in the boxes. Yep. And maybe our outliers are happening on the whiskers. Okay. Okay. That makes that makes sense. That makes sense. Uh, I think you know if you're looking at it in a very basic sense, that definitely works. That mm-hmm. explanation works. Uh, what those candlesticks represent are the opening price of the stock, the closing price of the stock, and the highs and lows. Right. Right. For that okay. trading period. For that trading period, and that trading period could be a minute. It could be five minutes. It could be a day. It could be a week. It could be a month. Whatever you set that candlestick. To read. Right, right. So, cool. Um, so, candlesticks and volume are things that people look pretty heavily at to determine what the trends are. Okay, there are a bunch of different patterns that they look at. Um, and one of the things that we that I use is what's called Fibonacci replacements. Retracements, sorry. Uh, not going to get into it too much, but it has to do with the golden ratio. Right. And I actually use Fibonacci in my class from time to time. I used to use it for grading my tests. So like the first test would be worth one point. The next test would be worth one point. The next, or sorry, two points. And the next test would be worth three points and then five and then eight and then 13 points. And it's a way of increasing, but systematically by adding the previous two numbers together. Just out of curiosity, do, uh, are Fibonacci retrace or is Fibonacci and uh, the bell curve related at all? Yeah, I, I'm not 100 percent sure, but you see Fibonacci sequences all over nature, all over nature, all over nature, all from over nature. from the design of a snail uh, shell, you know, all the way down to, I mean, my class. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> it's, it's it's built into a lot of those. Uh, it's one of those golden ratios. It's called the golden ratio because you see it in nature all over and over and anything that's cyclical from from the way trees grow and human life it's all just built in for some it, it, it just 
goes that way. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know how to explain it other than uh, um, it's a natural phenomenon. It's a natural is what it phenomena, is. and it's 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 really cool. I I did a, a pretty fun report on it, learning a lot about it. So it's really cool. Uh, so other things that people look at when they're using technical analysis is simple moving averages. In other words, taking the data over uh, a certain number of data points, right, or time periods to determine what the average is going to be. Um, there are things called Bollinger Bands, which uh, people use to try and figure out when a certain stock is overbought or oversold. So those outliers that you're talking about, when the stock hits those outliers, you'll get a little alert from these Bollinger Bands. So you should probably do something with on its way down because it's usually beyond where it normally is it's usually so it's a good time to buy down. it should be coming or, yeah if, if it's really high you should, you should be should selling be. if it's really low you should be buying mm-hmm. so that's that's technical analysis then we have fundamental analysis which i would say is what warren buffett probably one of the richest people in the world uh that's the way that he purchases stocks he looks at the entire company everything from p and e which is price to earnings ratio Okay, uh, to earnings per share, balance sheet, and income statement. He does a full analysis of the company and decides whether or not he wants to invest in that company. He wants it to be a good to great company. He wants to invest in a company that's going to be here for the long haul. Right. And he's going to buy a share early, and he's going to buy a lot of shares early when they're undervalued companies, but they have core uh, growth um, uh, traits, potential, yeah. potential within yeah. the company. Like it's built solid. And he knows that it's going somewhere. It's financials show that it's going somewhere. He comes in, he buys stock early, and he rides the wave. And he usually likes companies that are dividend-producing companies. Correct. And then he just continues to buy the portfolio over time. And you keep moving, you keep moving. So the last thing that I'm going to do is a little plug to my buddies over at uh, Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade is a financial network that I have been watching for the past several years. They teach all about options. And they really prefer options over stocks. And the reason why is you can use options to give yourself a higher probability of success, right? Where with a stock, your odds are 50-50. It's either going to go up or it's going to go down. That's all you got. That's all you have, right? With options, if the stock is trading at $100 and there's a 50% chance uh, I'm sorry, let's say there's a 70% chance that it's not going to get up to $120, right, over a certain amount of time. You can uh, place a trade at the $120 mark and be more successful just by uh, having the assumption that it's not going to get to that point. Right, right. Okay, or in the other direction, if it drops, it's not going to drop below $80. So you have a, a, a middle ground that right. you're able to make you profit have, on. You have a range. So uh, it's more of a statistical analysis, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I don't I, I haven't heard that uh, statistical analysis versus, you know, technical analysis. It would probably fall under technical analysis. Um, but anyway, so when volatility is high and those options are selling for a higher price, right, uh, as we talked about earlier, that's when you are really making trades so instead of worrying about whether the stock is going to go up or going to go down and you know trying to time that correctly you're looking at the volatility of the market and buying and selling based on what people's fears are which is which is 
you know, uh, essentially what we're doing in roulette, <laughs> right? We're trying to analyze trends and seeing where it lands and understanding that we really have no control over it, but you have a better chance of winning, especially when it comes to, uh, stocks options. If you're able to do your analysis, whether it's fundamental or it's technical, um, it'll give you a better idea. And the nice thing about doing the options is you're giving yourself a range. You're not, you know, tra- you're not trapped in the buy low, sell high of, of a regular stock purchase. Correct. Right. Well, dude, I mean, we did. We had quite a bit in this episode. Oh, we got a whole lot that we didn't even touch on. This is very, very basic overview. Oh, yeah, very basic. But, I mean, it's it at least our, our listeners, I mean, if they got through this whole episode, they at least have a general understanding of how the stock market works and the different types of uh, ways that they can make money. Definitely. And I would love to talk with people about that. It is something, like I said, that I'm passionate about. So if you have any questions, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to uh, share my input, my knowledge. Uh, little disclaimer, we are not uh, financial planners. We are not certified financial planners. We do highly recommend that you speak with a professional and understand that all uh, investments have a risk of loss. Okay? That's right, they do. So, uh, you know, if you're going to get into something like this, we really highly, highly recommend that you speak to a professional who is certified, licensed, and able to uh, professionally assist you. However, if you do have general questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can go to our website, www.csfirst.com. You can, fo- you can uh, follow us on Facebook at CSFirst, or specifically, if you want to talk stocks, you can follow us on Twitter at Trades on the Road. And that's all we got for you guys today. Peace. Bye-bye. And I'm out.